This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. Welcome back, guys, to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show Podcast, or Truckcast. Maybe I'll change the name of it. So I'm going to quit saying that I'm going to be more frequent in getting these out because it doesn't seem to be happening, but I'm doing the best I can, and uh, you know, I just like talking about shooting, so I do this for me as much as I do for you guys when I have time to get around to it, so I will, I will not try to be more frequent, but maybe I will. So a little, uh, a little later than I wanted, but we're going to talk about the multi-gun nationals that we had here at Universal, and uh, holy cow, man, does everybody seem to have a podcast these days, so I... I've gotten out of listening to them a little bit for no particular reason, really. Just kind of gotten away from it in the, in the truck. But uh, I've gotten back recently, and there was a lot of good podcasts on the on the multi-gun. Uh, I was on one with uh, the Rock Castle shooting show, or the Rock Castle gun show, I think it's called. That it was uh, it's actually on ESPN Radio too, which is kind of cool. Uh, and it's all about all about multi-gun. They have a real successful range up there in Kentucky. Put on a lot of good matches which I've not been to yet, but hopefully I'll be able to, to try one out here before long. But it was nice to meet those guys and be a part of their show. Uh, Josh Froelich's got one now called Addicted. Uh, I've only listened to two episodes so far, but uh, they were pretty good. Um, one with uh, Jerry Micklick on talking about the uh, the Nationals as well as some other stuff. And then, of course, the RX um, Firearms Nation. That one's been around for a while. And he does a really good job with his with his podcast. He had Keith Garcia on, which I uh, listened to the other night, and uh, they were talking about multi gun as well. So, a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of good feedback so far, at least from what I've heard and read on the on the interwebs and heard on podcasts and stuff. I was the the match director for the match and also shot it, so I'm gonna kind of attack it from two different angles. From the match director standpoint, you know, as I've I've told some folks if you've if you listen to the other podcasts, but um, you know we we we've done three gun here. We're we're not new to the three gun world. We being Universal Shooting Academy, and there's not a lot of not not, not a ton of big matches. You know we've put on the Area Six Multi Gun for a number of years now. We'll be doing that again uh, this winter, and then we do local matches every month. We've got one this Saturday here in a couple of days, um, but I don't have as experience goes i don't have a lot of experience in uh the three gun world outside of around here so i've i've shot you know fair number of three gun nation matches uh shot the uspsa nationals last year in in las vegas uh but don't have any outlaw experience so i you know i I think that's probably a a pro and a con maybe you know part of the way i looked at it was i don't know any better you know, all, all I know is really what we do here and, and how I like to design stages and what my philosophy on on shooting in general is and, and from a competitive standpoint. And, and so I thought, well, we're just going to put on our show, just do it the way I do it and and see what people think. Um, so it's, it was a little bit of a, you know, mix. Some of some of what I've, I've grabbed and what I like is uh, what I experienced in Three Gun Nation in terms of 
uh, a lot of optional targets. You can shoot this target with this gun or that gun or that gun. Uh, I think that's super cool. And it takes an otherwise uh, not crazy complicated stage and makes it significantly more complicated, you know, because in any type of competition shooting, the more options you give the shooter, the more you mess with their head and the, the actually the more complicated it becomes where if you say, all right, you're going to start here and shoot this play rack with the rifle and then set it down right here on this convenient table and pick up that convenient shotgun that's sitting right there and you got eight clays and here's another convenient table and then you got five paper with a pistol or something. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that, but it's just here to there to there and I don't think that's super, uh, super exciting. So that, that was the plan, you know, to build in uh, as many options as I could and, uh, you know, let the shooters play to their strengths because a lot of guys love the shotgun. A lot of guys hate the shotgun. Uh, I'm one of them, but you know it allows you to uh, to to play a little bit to to the gun that you prefer, and uh, I think that's cool. While while still requiring you to shoot, uh, you know, to shoot all the guns a, a fair amount uh, across the stages. This match was really totally up to me. USPSA has a couple of different business models and how they uh, how they run matches. In this particular one, they they term an outsourced match. So I pretty much ran it soup to nuts from the, uh, the from the registration standpoint and uh, the administration standpoint. I did get a lot of help from, uh, from USPSA and, and specifically Jake Martin's on the prize stuff. Uh, I'm really not good at dealing with sponsors and prize tables. Um, and besides that, I hate it. So it's nice to have him come in and help out with that aspect because it is a big aspect of the match. They, he put a nice table together for the competitors. And, uh, you know, we do it for the Area 6 multi-gun. But it's just, if you've never done it before, man, it's just it's just a hassle. And sponsors are awesome. And, they, you know, they come in and, and participate and help out the sport. But just, you know, from the phone calls and the follow-up and the logistics and organizing everything, it's, a, it's almost a full-time job. So I certainly appreciate his help in that matter. And uh, then, you know, attendance wasn't, wasn't what I wanted. I was hoping for close to 300, and we ended up at two. And who knows why that is. You know, it's the first time it's it's been over here. It's been out in Vegas or, or close out there for uh, 11 years, I guess, now. And so I think any time you, you move a big match like that, it's going to hurt it a little bit. The probably, you know, again, I only shot it once, but probably the majority of the crowd out there was West Coast guys and you know three gun is a pain to travel that much I can attest to so part of it maybe was you know they were local-ish and they could all drive to it and they weren't going to make the trek uh, maybe part of it was who's this Shannon Smith guy and that's a pistol range and I'm not going to take a chance spending the money to come over there for a crap match uh, give it a year and see how it does and then maybe they'll come that could be part of it uh, so I certainly understand those things you know, I thought we would have picked up a little bit more of the East Coast crowd. But again, first time here, you know, maybe a lot of folks don't know my experience as a match director and wanted to kind of see how it goes. And, um, you know, we have a contract again for next year, so hopefully uh, we'll get better numbers. But my, 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 my goal was, you know, put on a good show and then let word of mouth take it from there. Uh, so during the awards ceremony, I asked for feedback from the competitors, as I always do at our matches and uh, on anything from stage design to catering to whatever. Uh, you know, it helps me 
see trends and in, in areas that I could improve uh, to make a better match. So most of, again, most of the feedback was good. USPSA has got a, you know, reputation as we all know with their with their range officers and their gun handling and their safety rules. And, you know, I really made a strong, strong effort to do anything I could uh, as a match director, working with the range masters, working within the rule book to, to try to ease that. And uh, that, that didn't really go as planned, unfortunately, but I think it was better than last year, maybe. Uh, I think the ROs are coming around. They're starting to, to learn. And again, it's not their fault. It's the rule. The, it's the rule's fault, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, again, you guys, I, I don't really know where the fault is. Like, USPSA only does a couple of matches a year in multi-gun. I don't even know any of them other than the national championship and in my area six. I don't know of any other area uh, multi-gun championships within USPSA. Maybe there are some, but... Uh, there's just not that many. So they don't have, you know, the range officers don't have the experience and, and maybe they don't have the motivation. You know, it's, they're, they're doing a good job in the pistol world. Steel Challenge is doing great. Uh, USPSA pistol is doing great. Um, so again, I don't, I don't know how that they can change their rule set for two or, or three multi-gun matches a year. And um, maybe they won't. But, you know, we still had some unfortunate DQs that I didn't want to see. Uh, again, maybe not as bad as last year, but still more than more than I wanted. And I've got some ideas to to work to continue to work on that, and and the leadership understands. I mean, Mike Foley, we talked at length about it over the over the week here of Multigun and uh, Troy with D, DNROI uh, as well. They they understand uh, the issue. Um, I don't know that we have a solution yet, but you know they understand the issue. And then part of it is. It is black and white, man. You know, it's uh, when we started, when I started multi-gun here at Universal, uh, I was looking for a, a rule set or looking for an organization to fall under. Uh, UML wasn't around at the time. Uh, Three Gun Nation was around. And then there was USPSA or, or Outlaw. You know, and the reason I went with USPSA is because there's a rule set. You know, you, there's no, um, there's no real, not not a lot of gray area. You know, everything's everything's pretty much black and white, which is nice for the competitor because you can say, here, look at this. There's the rule that you violated, or there's the rule that allows you to do this, or allows you to do that, or whatever. Um, so the competitors can, you know, they can read the rule book as well as anybody, and it's just if they'd if they'd follow it, that would solve the problem too. Uh, but the issue is, you know, they just they come from shooting three gun, multi gun at a lot of different venues that are different. In, um, in terms of gun handling stuff and and uh, they just you know fall back into their ways so we'll continue to work on that uh, it wasn't awesome but uh, it wasn't the end of the world either and you know you look at um, you know look, look at guys that do shoot at the area the USPSA multi-gun stuff especially our local crowd here you know they're they understand it and, and I don't think any of them had any problems so I guess there's that uh, and then in administration of the match, uh, once we got kicked off, was pretty good. I, uh, I, I foobarred the, the scheduling a little bit, so that was definitely a lesson learned there. The um, you know, stages took, took a little bit longer than I anticipated. I was banking an, an hour per shooter with like a five-minute turn per, and I uh, missed the mark on that, so it was closer to an hour and a half. Uh, so that's, you know, that's an easy correction. I'll make for next year. And uh, it, that really wasn't a big deal. I mean, hell, maybe nobody even else noticed. You know, I was beating myself up 
pretty hard on it because that's a, a rookie mistake. I should have I should have known better, but uh, there was plenty of daylight at the end of the day, and it really just it caused a late start for the afternoon guys and, and a late finish for the afternoon guys. But uh, I didn't really get any comments on that, which surprised me. But I, I think part of that is three gunners are just kind of used to waiting around and. I think I mentioned this in the other podcast, but you know the other option is the the one-on-one off uh, schedule. But that's you know it's requiring every competitor to be here all day, every day, and I don't know. I'm just not as a competitor. I don't like that. Uh, there's too much waiting around, and I think that comes from like the bigger outlaw three gun matches where you know the stages are four minutes long, and there's a whole lot of gear changes and and re-remembering the stages and so they like that downtime in between to, to get refocused on the next stage where a, a little bit faster match like this uh, maybe that level of prep isn't required and, and they're able to get ready uh, for the next stage and then the stages uh, they all came off pretty good and with uh, a couple exceptions we'll talk about in a sec but I was pleased with the, with the layout we, we added a new uh, new long range long range 350 but um, that was great for for our range we added it really specifically for this match but now it's there you know it's going to pay dividends down the road we're going to be using it this Saturday uh, even for our 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 local shooters not even competitors just our gun range users Uh, it's nice to have that extra capacity and you know 350 is good you know we're not going to have thousand yard shots down here and uh you know, like I, like I said on the internet, I, on talking about this match, you know, again, my philosophy is this is not a this is not a PRS match. I, I don't think, I don't think, you know, three guns should have 10-inch targets at 500 and, and that type of stuff. Um, so we had, you know, three and a half, four-minute targets from, uh, I think, one, one, one fifteen probably was the closest on stage one. And then we went out to... You know, 325 on on stage 12, and went out to 400 on stage one on some tricky shooting positions. And uh, I was pleased with it. So we had you know 15 long range shots on 12 and uh, 12 on one, I guess hits. Uh, so that went pretty well. You know, two of our two of our 12 stages were were good distance. And uh, you know, if we had the room, maybe I'd do one more. But I think that's a pretty good pretty good amount of long range shots for for the type of match that I'm looking to put on and then we added some positional stuff in there so shooting out of a school bus on one uh, on stage 12 I mean and that was way more difficult than I expected the uh, just the way the bus is orientated the first the first position I didn't think it was gonna be that hard but you know the first position was with the way the the, the driver's seat was and it was in your way couldn't get your elbow set and you know, it just it just made it more difficult than I expected, uh, and even the car. So we had a, a little sedan you shot out of the the um, the driver's side rear window through the passenger side rear window to the targets, and it was a pretty solid rest. The problem, which I didn't, I mean, contrary to popular belief, I'm not out there shooting all week, uh, so I never shot from that position until the match. But the uh, what I didn't expect was the damn window was like three inches too high. So you couldn't you couldn't get your elbow on your knee from a kneeling position, and so I was kind of getting up on my tiptoe to, to touch my knee to the elbow, and that was sucky. And like a double kneeling was, you know, 
not super stable and it was too low to crouch and again not not a super hard shot but it was a little little positional quirk that you know you didn't you didn't expect um and then stage one we you know again the i think decent sized targets but we added some position stuff in there so we built one of those tank brake things that we affectionately call the asterisk that uh, was pretty solid i mean that wasn't i don't think that was that hard of a position and then the rope so we had a i think it was a two inch thick uh rope strung between two supports and uh, you had targets from one to four and that was a tough that was a tough position and uh the way we set them the make ready for the rifle portion was back at the tank break position uh so you know, nobody touched a rifle to that rope until the buzzer went off so you did have an opportunity to, to try it out or test it and it was kind of figure it out as you go and saw a lot of crazy crazy different techniques on that one uh, i was seriously considering just doing a sitting position we had a a vision barrier that was going to prevent you from going prone but you could you could make a sitting position uh, or a kneeling position you know unsupported by the rope and that was kind of going to be my go-to but i thought well I mean, let's try it anyway when we get up there and and uh i got through it i had nine nine extra shots i think from that position which normally is not the standard from a position for extra shots but i was happy to get out of there uh get out of there with the hitch you just, you just couldn't stabilize the gun i mean it was not not stopping um you know the inside 200 yard targets weren't too horrible although i missed the i missed the 175 a couple of times but once you got to the three and four you know you just, the wobble zone was immense and you know, i could not hold the the uh the sights on target so i battled with the three for a little bit the two fours i hit one for one but one of them was a 18 by 24 and then the other one was that uh, 15 inch chest plate and that one was shithouse luck i you know I, I broke the shot the dot was a about two feet left of the target and uh you know i have no idea how it hit except just the movement and the rope obviously drug the gun over there uh, we used the those t1000 magneto speed uh, led target indicators uh, those were awesome if you're running if you're running three gun with some long range you definitely need to invest in those um we've we have we've had one that was on loan to us that we've used at local matches that's worked really well uh this match we have them on all the long range targets uh, except for the mgm flashers which we had three but all the others were static steel with the uh, indicators on them uh, so it's the first time we've put it to, into play in a big match and i give it a an, an a or a minus performance um, the only issues we had the they're attached to the the electronic housing unit is attached to the um, to the Velcro base via little Velcro straps that wrap around, go through a loop, you pull it back on itself and Velcro it down. Uh, we had a couple of those come loose, maybe from vibration, um, maybe from the weather. We had some rain, who knows? And uh, it didn't hurt the target, but what happened is the one top half of it fell off. The bottom half of it was still attached and upon hit, it was still flashing, but because the the indicator panel thingy-majigger had changed orientation a little bit. You could no longer see the flash from where you were at. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to replace those with the zip ties for the next match. 
which will make it a pain in the ass to change batteries. You'll have to cut the zip tie, and, but no big deal. Zip ties are cheap, and uh, they're not going to rattle, not going to rattle loose. And then two instances we had. So if you haven't seen these things, they have a, I call it polymer, although it's probably not, but a plasticky, like those self, self-resealing targets you've seen, like from Newbold or something, uh, that type of material. But that's what the, the light reflects through, and that's what you're seeing. And it's, it's made to take a hit. So they can take up to 100, 100 150 hits or something. And uh, it's really amazing. I mean, you can see the 556 five, bullet go through, and it, it just ends up in a pinhole. Uh, but what happened on at least two occasions uh, is I think they so I, I set them on the on the um, the right side of the of the steel on the theory that most people are gonna gonna yank it left. <clears throat> but what happened on a couple occasions is I think the bullet just caught the edge of the steel uh, that deformed the bullet, and so now you had a much uh, less aerodynamic or chunkier piece of uh, bullet hitting those uh, polymer windows let's call them uh, and that knocked it off on, on 2k well, knocked it off on one case and knocked it out of the out of his little channel on the other uh, doesn't hurt the mechanism it, you know just the problem is again you just, you just don't see the flash so you go down there and put it back in the channel and it's ready to rock so no, no big deal uh, that's the only other thing I would say on that is uh, I noticed a couple of the range officers getting complacent and, you know, they're just watching for the flash of the indicators because you can see them plain as day with the naked eye uh, and not looking through glass. So I would still recommend the range officer watch the target through the glass uh, because it, I know at least at least one of those instances it, it caused a reshoot because the competitor was hitting the target, um, but the RO wasn't caught hit because the LED, they couldn't see the LED. You know, where if he had been watching through the glass, he could have visibly seen the target get hit, called the hit, moved on, and you're ready to go. You know, save save us a reshoot. But not the end of the world. Live and uh, live and learn. And a lot of the other stages were good. Lots of options. All shotgun stage was pretty cool. Hand thrown clay target, some buckshot. Um, and the reason I did the buckshot, I some people were griping about that a little bit, but. Uh, you know, in USPSA, if you slug a steel, it's a match DQ. So the skill set I wanted to uh, I wanted to test was the ability to to candy cane some loads or you know throw some alternate rounds in there throughout the shotgun course. And actually, Dan uh, Daniel Horner came up with this idea. We were kind of chatting back and forth about stages uh, to run some buckshot on paper throughout the stage. So you're you're getting that skill set that I wanted to test. But if somebody makes a mistake, gets their load wrong or whatever, and slug or a buckshot's a piece of steel, it's fine. It's not a match DQ. So I thought that was a great idea. It allowed me to test the skill I wanted to test without the threat of DQing somebody for, for shooting the wrong target accidentally. Um, so I probably expect to see more of that. And I know buckshot's not super popular in matches, but you know, with, uh, with the USPSA rule of the steel DQ thing, I think it's a pretty good idea to, to give the competitor the option to, to you know, play with ammo and not the threat of a, of a disqualification, so that was cool. Now on to stage 7 and 12, actually. So stage 7 was a up and back, up and back, up and back thing. Two shooting areas, all three guns, single bay, and 
I had all the dump barrels at the front of the stage uh, for a reason. But the main reason, like you were going to have to go up and back anyway, even if even if there were dump barrels spread around, you still would have had to go up and back uh, to some degree. But you know, the reason I, I didn't have a barrel in the uprange shooting position is I, I was I was trying to prevent somebody coming from downrange, let's say, with a shotgun, being done with a shotgun, running uprange to the next, you know, back to the first position. It's hard to describe without seeing it, but if I then go to dump my shotgun in that barrel as I'm running uprange, it's pretty tempting and easy to break the 180 as you're putting the shotgun in the barrel. Uh, so that's really the main reason. I didn't have a dump barrel back there, uh, but that resulted in an extra trip up and back because now you're stuck back there with a long gun, nowhere to dump it, so you got to run back up and dump, only to have to run back and, and shoot again. But that was cool. So you, you know, get some movement, moving around a short, short little tight bay stage, but you know, allowing some movement in there. Uh, well, somebody figured out to save a trip up and down, they would just set their rifle on the ground at their feet because you could finish the last few pistol shots from a stationary position, more or less, uh, thus saving you, I think, two trips up and back. And so this, you know, it's not, it's not super awesome. Uh, it is a rule, it's legal, but I think it's something that was never thought of from a three-gun standpoint. I certainly never thought of it. Uh, many of the pros never thought of it. You know, none of our super studs that shot on the pre-match thought of it. Range masters didn't think of it. You know, so nobody thought of it except this one guy. I don't even know who the guy was, but uh, came up with this idea. So I'm all for, you know, busting stages. If you come up, I mean, that doesn't offend me in the least. If a competitor, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a competitor first, match designer, match director second. You know, if you come up with a better, better way to shoot a stage. I'm all for that. You know, that's that to me. That's what USPSA is all about. Here's a problem. Yo, you solve it. Check out the hook. Oh, sorry. Uh, so I'm, that doesn't bother me. What I kind of wish was, and all this was going on unbeknownst to me. Um, you know, what I kind of wish was the range master would have said, "Hey, let me get the match director and let's talk about this for a sec." And you know, it's not my, it's not my place at all. You know, it's uh, it's the range master's place. Uh, sorry, a little break in the action there. I'm back. Uh, but anyway, so that's the range master's domain. You know, once the match kicks off, really, uh, match director is kind of out of it. So, you know, they didn't do the wrong thing by making the decision. And maybe there's nothing we could have done. Um, but you know, if, if I if if I could have, I would have stopped that from happening. Because again, I don't. I'm not against somebody breaking breaking the stage or coming up with something like that at all, at all. Uh, but I would have just prevented it, you know. I would have said just, hey, you can't do that shit or, or something. And, you know, it won't happen in the future, I guarantee you that. Um, I just simply would put a dump barrel back there. You know, I don't, wanna, I don't want to create a situation where it's advantageous to, to throw your $3,000 rifle, rifle in, in the sand. Um, you know, that just doesn't make sense. So very simply, I would have put a dump barrel back there and problem solved. Um, but I think it's just something, well, I know it's just something nobody ever thought about before. And I think it's because not to toot my own horn, but maybe my stages are, are weird enough where, you know, this situation has never arose because there was never that many, 
ways you could do something uh, generally built into stages. Um, so I, I, I think we might see a rule change there. I, I talked to Troy about it. Um, I'd like to see a rule change because if there isn't, then that's going to, in my opinion, hamstring the stage designers a little bit in that it's going to have to be more cookie cutter. Uh, otherwise, that, that stuff like that's always going to happen. I mean, you could pick up, if you, if, you, if you had any type of a back and forth or, or um, you know, with, with a two or three gun bay style stage, um, and I do that a lot where you got to traverse, even from a simple standpoint at the local match, you know, you got to traverse left to right with one gun and then come back right to left with the other. Uh, anything like that, you could just grab your rifle and your shotgun and set, you know, set it down, shoot, pick it up, set it down, shoot, pick it up, set it down, shoot your way across and then do the same thing back. And I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, so I'd like to see a rule change, but if there isn't, then that's just something I'll have to design around, uh, you know, in the future. And then, so then it came into play once they figured that out, it came into play again on stage 11, uh, which is a three gun stage. And again, you know, my stages aren't generally set up by accident. So we had a, a shotgun shooting position with a low prone port on some long distance slugs. Before that, there was a rifle shooting position. And then beyond that, there was a pistol shooting position with pistol targets. And from the pistol shooting position, so that if somebody couldn't go prone, let's say, or really didn't want to, or physically or whatever, then you don't have to make up some rule about percentage of the points or whatever they could run over to the pistol shooting position shoot the slugs but then the penalty for that would be you have to come back to the shotgun position to dump your shotgun only to have to go back to the pistol position and shoot your pistol so that was the reason those targets were available from that pistol shooting area uh, but again once the guys figured out the the way this rule was being interpreted um, they figured out that hey i can bring the shotgun over there with me, shoot my slugs, avoid the prone altogether, set the shotgun down, and then finish up with pistol. So, you know, obviously another area where I wouldn't have allowed that to happen, and very easy, <laughs> just block those targets from the pistol shooting area. You know, one uh, one wall and you're done. So it would have been a super easy fix had anybody ever thought about the way that that situation is going to be interpreted. Um, and again, you know, same thing there. If, if somebody had brought it to my attention when the first guy tried to do it you know i think we could have made that fix i think we could have blocked that target or done something i mean nobody had done it that way up until that point you know so but nonetheless it wasn't and uh you know the grand scheme of things overall results and whatnot i don't i don't think either of those made any difference in, in the results which i was glad about you know i'd hate to see i hate to see a, a national championship get lost because of a, an anomaly like <clears throat> an anomaly like that uh, but I was, you know, I was glad the stages didn't get thrown out. I was glad it came out like it did and, you know, lesson learned and, and we'll move on from there. Uh, other than that, everything else is pretty good. Award ceremony went pretty good. Price table went good and glad to, glad to have it over with. That kind of brings an end to our season here in, in Florida, which is weird. It's starting, starting seasons for everybody else in the world, but we've been nonstop since September pretty much and give us a little break. So I was going to cover my shooting experience for multi-gun, but we're running a little long. I'm pulling into work. Uh, so I will hit that on the next one and I'll try to make the next one sooner rather than later. I hope you guys have a great day. See you on the range. Welcome back, my friend.
friends to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. 